0: I'm Blaine. Good to be with you guys, Lori and I love this uh, this community. It's uh, we call it like our, our home away from home. Uh, we love uh, just coming and celebrating Jesus with you. Of course, Brad and Laura are just such good friends uh, in this walk that we're walking uh, with with Jesus. So I'm excited about uh, concluding and uh, having the the honor of bringing the the kind of the culmination of this uh, message series on the Lord's Prayer. Because about 11 years ago, uh, I rediscovered uh, Jesus. I'd lived for Jesus, uh, certainly knew him, but there was a rediscovery that happened uh, in, a, in a period of brokenness and crisis in my life. And when that happens, if you've ever been through crisis, uh, pain, uh, tragedy on some level, whether it happened to you or you caused it, Uh, it causes you to either be formed by that tragedy or transformed by it. And I chose to allow it to transform me. I chose to move deeper into Christ and deeper into God. And so I rediscovered Jesus. And one of the things that I did is I began to really return to uh, the ancient uh, teachings and faith of uh, Jesus, uh, the disciples in the book of Acts, And and, uh, even the first, uh, second, third century church and some of the the church fathers and how the the early church engaged in this thing that we call Christianity. And I began to ask myself, like, who is Jesus? Who is this man uh, that only lived, uh, you know, 33 years, uh, never wrote a book, uh, never went to the office, he uh, never built uh, a building, never traveled more than a few hundred miles from home, uh, really, never engaged in uh, statecraft or politics, and yet he changed the world. And not only did he change the world, but he raised up these uh, these radicals. They they were called uh, men and women that turned the world upside down. He had you know twelve primary understudies. We called them the disciples or the apostles, and. Uh, Uh, One of them killed himself, Judas, but uh, ten were murdered. Another one was sent off to an island on his own. But at the end of uh, their lives, at the end of uh, this movement, after 300 years of these disciples, one generation after another, lifting up the name of Jesus, uh, the world was changed. Rome went from 1% Christian to 50%, half of the population was brought to Jesus. And as I studied their lives, one of the things that I saw was that they loved to pray this prayer. In fact, it's recorded in one of the ancient uh, books that described their faith. It's called the Didache, it's a common book. It was almost put into the Bible as canon, but because it was more practical and not theological, uh, they left it out, but it's it's a great book. And in the Didache, they talked about how the early church believers would pray the Lord's Prayer three times every day. That they believed it was a prayer not just to be prayed, but to be lived by. It was uh, more than just a petition. It was like their constitution. It was fundamental to who they were and what they believed. And so let's talk just a few moments about this prayer this morning. We find the beginning of it uh, in Luke 11. It says, now it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And then we get a a picture of this prayer uh, in Matthew 6 and 9. He said, well, in this manner, Jesus said, Therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so coming out of this crisis in my life where sin had destroyed me and I'd invited sin in not knowing it would destroy me and I lost everything, I began to pray this prayer. I said, if nothing else, I'm going to begin to pray this prayer and I'm going to pray it every single day. I can't say I prayed it three times a day all the time, but I did pray it every day, usually in the morning. And I would just utter those words and I found out it's a 29 second prayer. Doesn't take that long. But praying it daily began to reform my soul, began to recalibrate my, my faith, and it helped me to begin to reimagine my life. It became the most revolutionary 29 seconds of my day every day. In fact, today I call the Lord's Prayer my portable sanctuary that I take everywhere that I go, and I find myself spontaneously just praying the prayer throughout the day without even really thinking about it. And the reason I love this prayer so much is because it's the actual prayer of Jesus. I mean, God invented, God inspired, God spoke this prayer through his son Jesus. This is the perfect prayer. It's a prayer that always gets answered. It's a prayer that's always heard. It's a prayer that's always right and accurate and true. And it's a prayer that not only does God answer, but it's a prayer that God begins to form something new in us. And I talk about the, the different uh, elements. There's really seven beautiful elements of the Lord's Prayer, and I'm not going to spend much time on these except for the last one. But there's a promise. It says, you know, pray in this way our Father. It's a promise that he is our Father that he's uh, Abba, you know, the the Jews knew him as the father of Israel, but but Jesus introduced him as your father, you know, your personal father, that we enter into this relationship as sons and daughters, and there's nothing in the world that we could do to change that, that we never become unfathered, (laughs) we never become unadopted in his family. You know, Pastor Brad mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, being lost, you know, this, this precious uh, son that, 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 that lost his life, you know, and that, that though he may have strayed as we all do, that we're sons or we're sheep that are just simply lost. We never lose our sonship. We never lose the fact that we're sheep. You know, Jesus didn't talk about that parable and call him the the prodigal wolf. He was always the prodigal son. You know, the sheep never stopped being a sheep. He was just lost. And that's the beauty of our God is that he loves us and he loves us and he loves us and he loves us. No matter where we go, what we've done, and he's just calling us home because he wants to embrace us. And then there's praise it says, hallowed be your name, that when we you know come to God in this prayer, we we bring him praise and we see his purpose in your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love the sneakiness of Jesus in this prayer. <laughs> Pray like this, and basically he says, surrender everything. Give it all to God. Uh, you know, let the, God's will be done in your life, not your own. What a what a clever way to get us to pray, because when we pray that, God's will begins to be illuminated uh, in our lives. And then we see this next one, provision. Give us this day our daily bread. It's like, it's absolute dependence. Like, he doesn't say pray for the bread factory to come. doesn't pray, you know, give us, you know, this year, everything that we need. He says, I want you hour by hour, day by day, moment by moment, to trust me to be there for you. And then I love this part of the prayer where we see the pardon of God, the forgiving and, and the being forgiven, that, that we uh, forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that there's this dual forgiveness that we, we can't fully enter into being forgiven unless we will forgive. And so often when I pray that prayer each day, God reminds me, that I've been forgiven of so much. I've Been resurrected from so much death and destruction and who am I not to forgive? My offender, my enemy, my brother. We live in such a hostile world, saints. Beloved, don't allow yourself to be brought into the hostility, brought into the division, to enter into judgment of others. God's called us to be peacemakers. God's called us to pull people closer to God, not push them away through our judgment and unforgiveness. What, what words forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors? And I want to really focus on this last few verses because this is where we see the power to conquer evil. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus in this moment makes it very, very clear that there is evil in this world. That we are going to encounter not just bad things, not just a a little bit of, you know, tragedy, but, but, but real evil. Evil is 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 more than just being bad. It's like the supreme badness and destruction. It's wanting to do everything possible to destroy another to the point of complete annihilation. He says, "Lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one." And the, and the way he's brought those two together, I think, says something to us that as we uh, encounter temptation in our world, that there is an evil one waiting to destroy us with that temptation. That we're tempted, as James says, by our own desires, but the evil one is waiting at the end of that temptation to take us to a place of absolute destruction. You know, 11 years ago, as I walked through this crisis of my addiction and my brokenness and my sin being uncovered and disclosed and living 23 years in a secret world of pornography and sexual sin and lust and seeing how that would destroy uh, my marriage, my career, my relationship with my, my three boys, so many, so many waves of destruction. I saw what evil can do. And I remember reading this passage in James. Oh, did it speak to me? And I hope it speaks to you, beloved. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and himself tempts no one. So our temptations do not come from God. The, You know, God's not messing with us. It says, no one is tempted, uh, or but one is tempted by one's own desire when lured and enticed, enticed by it. That when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Notice that. When that sin is fully grown, it gives birth to what? Death, complete destruction. In other words, the beginning of sin is not death. The beginning and experimentation in its first stages doesn't bring death, but sin grows. It's the way it works. Lust gets stronger. Greed gets stronger. Jealousy gets stronger. Anger gets stronger. And eventually, gradually, one day at a time, it will take us to a place of death if we fail to confront it. So he says, don't be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving, every good gift is from above coming from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, here's how we get out. Here's how we deal with our sin. Here's how we stop it from growing and destroying us. We come back to the Father. We come back to the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer where we're reminded that He is our Father and He's there to protect us and to love us and to care for us. And I can tell you, in that moment, when I began to return to the Father and I began to give Jesus my life fully again and surrender to Him and just cry out for mercy that the Father like he did the prodigal son showed up in my life and began to restore all of his good gifts the father never gives up on you beloved he never lets you go no matter where you've been what you've done he will never ever let you go i want to close with a story it talks about in this verse when sin is fully grown when sin is fully grown, sin grows. Maybe you've heard the, uh, the saying, oh, I've got a pet sin, or he or she has a pet sin. You know why they call it a pet sin? It's because we, we kind of get familiar with it. We kind of begin to kind of like it. Well, this is kind of harmless. You know, I remember when I first looked at pornography. Uh, you know, I I thought, well, this is kind of harmless. No one knew about it. No one knows about it. You know, I I'm going to try not to do it again. It you know, it was just me. I was alone, nothing but images and myself. And it, you know, the lie is that it was harmless. I in fact, since then, as I've coached men out of pornography for the last four years and encountered so many uh, different people in this world, I've had some of these. Guys, tell me why I think it's kind of harmless. And I've said this, that those who believe porn is harmless are the same people who watch Jaws backwards and believe it's a heartwarming story about a shark who gives arms and legs to disabled people. It's not harmless. You've got it backwards. Sin is not harmless. It will destroy you. It will take everything from you. But in the beginning, it's just, oh, I got a little bit angry well, it's just a little bit of lust or, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, it wasn't, you know, what I did really wasn't that bad. You know, it's just kind of a little pet and it runs around and it's not fully grown and really hasn't developed and we're kind of okay with it. We don't realize it is about to one day become evil and destroy us that we cannot play with our sin. Not because you know, God's trying to make you the greatest moral creature that ever lived. It's because he knows it will destroy you, and he loves you too much to allow you to remain there. I, I heard the story about a month ago, a true story, But a little girl who went to a pet store, and she bought a little baby snake. I don't know why I hate snakes. I can't imagine anyone paying money for a snake, I despise them, I'm afraid of them, I don't wanna be anywhere near a snake, but for whatever reason this crazy girl thought it would be a good idea to have a pet for a snake, or or a snake for a pet. So she buys this little baby and it's kinda cute, it's small, but over time as she's, you know, playing with this snake and letting it, like literally letting it sleep in her bed, the snake grows. And, and every time she would let it sleep, you know, beside her on the covers in the bed, it would literally just curl up beside her and just feel so cute and so wonderful. It felt warm, like this little pet was, was great. And one day, you're going to love this, one day, that snake didn't curl up. That snake stretched its way, fully grown from her feet all the way to her head right beside her. And she was like, what is going on? Interesting, she didn't think much about it. But a few days later, she thought, I'm gonna figure out what, what, what happened. And she came in contact with an expert on pythons. She said, why? did my pet snake all of a sudden not curl up but stretch itself out beside me? And this snake expert looked at her and said, he is sizing you up. Now I want you to think about that. There comes a moment when we allow sin to live and thrive and work its way into our soul where it becomes so strong It becomes so powerful in our life that it literally sizes us up it wants to destroy us we have an evil one in this world who wants to destroy us and that's why jesus said as you pray pray that we'll be led away from temptation that god will give us wisdom and that he'll deliver us from the evil one, and that's the beauty of the Father, is he can and will deliver us from evil. I can tell you today that I'm in my ninth year, nearly 10 years, of complete freedom from my past and from that sin. And the reason is not because of my willpower or not because of my great work, but it is a complete reliance on the Father, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for each and every viewer, each and every participant in this online experience this morning. I pray, God, you'd bring grace, deliverance, and freedom from sin. Lord, not because you're mad at them, not because somehow they've crossed a line that you're just really upset with, but, Lord, because you love them, because you want good for them, that you're that Father of lights that has good gifts. Let them be delivered from this evil and be translated, Lord, into this beautiful kingdom of your Son. And we will give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.